0: Hey. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I'm gonna be reading was um, published by my friend Martine Sims. And it was published on um, Domenica Publishing. And it's my first uh, journal, I'ma be real, it's my first diary, uh, Love Diamond. And I titled it Love Diamond because I always finished um, an entry off with Love Diamond. But I was talking to Ren, and I was, like, laughing, because now I'm looking at it like it's all these white people. <laughs> like, these white angels on my first journal. Where? That's not a grapefruit. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, thanks, Harry. I was also, between the ages of eight and nine, and I had to be eight when I first wrote it, and by the end of it, I was nine, because there's an entry where I talk about my little sister, and she was born in uh, 99. And there's a lot of like mispronounced words, so here we go. Dear Dairy, I don't know why I'm being mean. I think it's because of the new baby coming. I hope I change soon, very soon. Dad getting very mad with me. Mom getting very upset. I think it's because of the baby, too. Dad tell me it's a grill, but that's what they said last time. It was going to be a, and I spell it out, G-R-I-L. I I think it's going to be a boy, but you never know. Love, Diamond. Dear Derry, I have something else to tell you. Dad taking us to some place. I hope it's somewhere fun, so I will talk to you tomorrow. To tell you where did we go and what did we do. Love, Diamond. Dear Derry, we're going to another place without Dad. I think we're going somewhere else with Dad, but Dad is not here. Sometime I think Dad worked too hard, but he works hard is because we need money so we can pay the bill and the taxes. Love, Diamond. I still don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, dear Derry, I wish for one day that I can be a teenager. That's all I want. Love, Diamond. Being a teenager sucked, whatever. <laughs> Dear Diary, Barn is the meanest brother and just today he did the dishes. Mom said, you did a good job over and over again. I do the dishes too. And he was gonna get paid for it. That's when I got mad and went away. But now I feel better. Cause mom told me that she didn't know that I do the dishes. That's why, love Diamond. <laughs> How do you not know that your child does the dishes? I was getting played a lot when I was eight. <laughs> Dear Derry, Sunday spring break is the boringest spring break. There is nothing to do. Love, Diamond. <laughs> Dear Derry, Barn, Barn, and I are watching I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. We are talking about it. I think it's the grill at the bar. Barn, think not, love, Diamond. Dear Derry, the whole time on I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, the white boy was the killer, but he really was the killer's son. Love, Diamond. <laughs> Dear Derry, Cameron is mean. I find a notebook that was Cameron that was mine for four days, and when I went downstairs and Cameron gonna yell at me, I just looked at him and say, what? <laughs> then Barron gonna go on Cameron's side, so I said, finders, keepers, losers, were. I meant to say weepers, I couldn't spell it. Well, I said, then Byron said, you wouldn't like if I take your Spice Girl doll. So then I ran in the living room. So Barron going to tell Cameron to go get my Spice Girl doll. So I threw the notebook on the floor. That's all I have to say. Love, Diamond. (laughs) Dear Dairy, I've been watching this movie for the fourth time, so I'm just going to watch it till I get it. Love, Diamond Stingley. (laughs) Dear Dairy. I asked what day it was, because I thought it was Friday, and I keep on asking, uh, where, where where, am I? Oh, I asked what day it was, because I thought it was Friday, and I kept on saying it, because goofy Barn didn't hear me. Then Dad said, shut up. That's when Barn told me it was Saturday. That made me mad. He could have told me before Dad told me to shut up. Love, Diamond. Dear Derry, I have a new baby sister named Fab. Her real name is Fatima. I couldn't spell Fatima. Dear Diary, I was going to get me a notebook and mom told me to sit down. Love, Diamond. <laughs> 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 dear Derry, um, and sometimes in my diary I would say the boys, and that just meant my brothers, Barron and Cameron, because Evan was a baby. So, dear Diary. The boys up there be telling me to stay out their room and they be in mines. So I don't give a care if they don't have a channel. They have no business being in my room. What makes them think I don't want my privacy? That's all for today. Love Diamond. <laughs> I was such a bitch. <laughs> Dear Derry, barn getting all the attention. Love Diamond. Petty. Dear Derry, I have been getting blamed for everything. I think I got bad luck or something. And that was my last entry. Okay, and I'm um, working on a new piece and I'm gonna read it. Yeah, okay. I decided to move to New York City after my friend Martine asked me to be in her video Notes on Gesture for her first solo show at Bridget Donahue Gallery. Martine said she would buy me a return ticket back to Chicago. I told her it wouldn't be necessary. Before Martine offered me the chance to move to New York, I was miserable. Like most black people I know, I don't like the word depressed. I felt stagnant. I think of highways and how how in the distance it sounds like running water. I can no longer sleep in the country. My mama thought about running away. She asked me where we would go if she kept driving. I worked at a dog boutique for a while when I first moved to New York. I didn't move here with much money. The entire time I lived on the west side of Chicago, I didn't save. I only had $500 and I let my mama borrow $200. I asked her to pay me back $20 a week I stayed in my friend's bed and occasionally on the living room futon. I drank black coffee in the morning if my friend roommate offered. Around noon, I ate a bag of chips and one cup of yogurt. My parents said they never had to worry about me. I missed home. The dog boutique was more ideal for me if I was a teenager. It made me think there are a lot of bullshit jobs in New York City, definitions of old money, new money. New money people claim they ain't got any, but shop at dog boutiques. (laughs) I deliver dog food to people's homes around Chelsea. I met Stephen Klein once. I met Stephen Klein once and every other Friday his assistants came in with Great Danes. I've been to nice houses. How does a person get there and where am I going? There was one rich white woman who only tipped me in quarters. Maybe she got where she was going by saving all her change. (laughs) One day, I didn't come in. I knew it was a Wednesday because I only had Mondays and Tuesdays off. My boss tried to call, but I didn't pick up because there was nothing to be said. He texted me. He wished me the best before I blocked him. A month ago, I passed the boutique and thought about saying hello, but went against it. I worked at a dog boutique. Life is funny like that. When I find myself in a position I didn't enjoy in order to survive. I had a job, but I stayed with one of those. I had people tell me to work for my own self since I was too little to comprehend before I understood survival. I think it's how I found myself trying to sell weed, but I'm lazy. Some of my students were dope boys. They were disciplined. They woke up before the sun rose to get money and made time to walk their little siblings to school. Survival is why my grandma used to wake up at 4 a.m. for over 30 plus years at the post office. I used to like watching my mom count money and how she made all her children be quiet when she did so. Always had respect for my grandma's older sister and the accent she carried from Mississippi to Chicago. She was the only businesswoman I knew for a long time. I thought she was rich. My dad taught me how to fight. Sometimes he let me and my brothers fight one another with sparring gear on. If you want to fight, do it the right way. He would remind us not to cry if we were losing the fight. Fight harder. He fought a lot as a kid. If he lost the fight, my grandma would beat his ass for losing and make him go outside and fight again. After my first fight after school, my father nicknamed me Tyson. I told the little boy after school I would beat his ass. My parents weren't proud, but they weren't ashamed. Violence is a part of the upbringing, and it comes in different forms. Violence can be a test of how bad someone someone still wants to be here. Violence can be humbling when the smoke clears. I would be asked randomly to show my father how to punch right. There is a right way to punch. There is a right stance. Boxing wouldn't be popular if humans didn't desire power and joy controlled chaos to act like animals but use the body like a machine. Before anyone becomes regal, they were once a fighter, or they're still a fighter. Once a person gets over the fear of an ass whooping, they're invincible. I'm done? I'll oh. oh, keep going. Oh, okay, I can keep going. Uh, this is another piece I'm working on. Uh, right now it's titled, My brother, My Brothers Didn't Wash Dishes. Right, y'all like, she, what she got against her brother? It's nothing, they all right. <laughs> In a black household, it is hard being the first daughter. I was told a lot as a child that I knew better even when I didn't. I was constantly critiqued on my manners. My body was examined and shamed. Black parents dote on their sons. My parents told me they don't worry about me because they know I can handle myself. Who will take care of mother when she is old, asked the daughter. The son has went off and started a family. I think about the days I used to play volleyball. The memory of when I was 14 years old, sitting on the couch at my friend Candace's house. Her father was drunk. He made me feel uncomfortable. His friend came over. They looked like the definition of true Illinois rednecks. Years of hard drugs and alcohol cracked their skin. They looked older than what they should have been with dirty jeans and ripped up Harley Davidson t-shirts. It was the summertime, and I was wearing my volleyball uniform. I introduced myself to Candace's father friend. Candace's father asked, doesn't she have the biggest and prettiest titties you've ever seen? I can't remember what happened after that. I think Candace's mother shouted his name and he walked away. I didn't tell my mother what happened because I didn't want her to be upset with me for not saying anything. I didn't know what to say. Oh, it's double-sided, I was like, uh, okay. I didn't want her or my grandmother to think I was being fast, a term used for young girls who thought they were grown. Later that night, anyway, Candace ended up spending the night at our house because her father tried to have sex with her when he was blacked out drunk. Whenever the the women in my family felt I was trying to buck their authority, I was asked if I thought I was grown and reminded they were not one of my friends. I was taught to be mentally tough, to watch my own back and to stop crying, or I was told I was too pretty to be crying all the damn time. I was told a lot to stop crying all the damn time by the elders in my family. If they heard a child start to fuss, they draw out. All shit, here we go with that damn crying. Black children aren't allowed to cry. You better fix your face before we go up in here, I was told numerous times. And I would fix my face before the family headed into a function. If I cried when my siblings and I made fun of each other, I got made fun of even worse and teased that no one could joke with me. I was told I like to cry. I don't. It's the shame, the feeling of defeat when I cry, when I'm hurt. It is a universal feeling for a lot of black people. Not allowing people to see you cry. A lot of pain and anger. A lot of unresolved issues. I listened to... A gospel song that tells me to hand my problems over to Jesus and stop worrying about it. I think she is telling me to repress it and keep it moving. I clap and nod my head because I think it is the mentality, mentality that a lot of women I was surrounded by growing up were able to survive. Not necessarily handing their problems over to God, but having to deal with their issues on their own because history shows us society as a whole does not care about black women's struggles or mental health. I call it the, it is what it is mentality. I get mad, then I let it go. I get mad, then I let it go. (laughs) My My mother told me over the phone when I asked her, does she ever get mad? My mother is one of the few adults in my life who cries. My grandmothers were hard on me. At one point, I tried to speak softer to present myself more as a lady, but I am not a lady. My father told me I should have been a boxer. When I was 12, I started my period. My mother was in Cook County Hospital because she was sick, and the doctors didn't know what was wrong with her. I remember my grandmother repeating, all that stress can kill you, saying to my mother over and over again and my mother softly saying back, mama, I know. We would find out years later my mother had lupus, the same as her sister-in-law, my Auntie Tiny, due to stress. Everyone in my family was affected by my mother's sudden change in health. I do not have the same mother I once had. I think my grandmother has been affected the most because my mother is her only child And now that I left home, she goes on tangents. It all comes back to my mother's health, how she's not going to be around to take care of her. And the questions occur again, who will take care of mother? My entering womanhood wasn't a joyous occasion. It seemed to be the time to warn me about the consequences and the reputation I would receive if I started to have sex at an early age. My mother talked to me about sex while my grandmother warned me about sex. My maternal grandmother told me I was acting like a hoe because I decided not to wear underwear under my skinny jeans in high school. I felt as if no one defended me, but it's a wave. No one defended my grandmothers, their sisters, and their mothers. It goes back into generations. My cousin Anibu wants to have children, and she hopes she only has sons because she doesn't want the girl to deal with what we went through. I know I'm going to be like my mom, and my mom didn't even want to be the way she is, but she is. When my parents divorced, and my grandmother decided to move her daughter and grandchildren into a dominantly white suburbs of Chicago. None of us knew the problems that came with. Ro- Sorry, none of us knew the problems that came with Romeoville. My grandmother warned us not to bring any babies into the house. Her cleanliness came from a time where black folks had little to nothing. The house had to stay clean. There was never a dish in the sink. My grandmother complained no one did anything but her. She developed a habit of drinking apple martinis every night, and due to stress, the vision in her left eye started to fail. The doctor prescribed her medicine, but she refused to, in her words, take that shit. The worse my mother's health became, the harder she disciplined me. The boys could do whatever they wanted, but I was restricted. I had to ask if I could go somewhere while my brothers had cars, and if I was able to go, my mother had to speak with the parents' mother, and she had to know who all was going to be there. I had a set curfew, though I never went out. My mother asked me once if I had friends outside of school because she knew I didn't. My grandmother didn't like that I hung out with white kids because she believed them to be sneaky. She told me white people had no loyalty to their own and would quickly throw me under the bus if we were to get caught up in some shit. I was told no, a lot. I had a breaking point when I was 17. I didn't want to die, but I pretended I wanted to. You cutting yourself now? My mother asked me more tired than surprised or judgmental. She signed me up for therapy after I told her I was tired. My mother and my auntie Tiny are the only women in my family who will admit they need help. The older generation tells me to get it together, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Every morning, my grandmother woke up at 4 a.m. to get to work by 5 uh, 5 a.m. I saw what she had to do for the family. I saw what my mother had to do to keep her family. I come from a family of female hustlers. They are angry, and they have every right to be, and they don't worry about me because as soon as the doctor said it's a girl, they had to unfortunately prepare me to go into the world. I have to be tough, smart, and hustle. Some days I have to be cold, and I don't think people understand that. Where the hardness comes from, but most people who don't understand where the hardness comes from uh, isn't black. My friends and I talk about trying to do better than our parents. Not that our parents were bad, but it, but it is a gap between our understanding of how to deal with our personal issues. The world won't allow me to be carefree. That's, that's it. <laughs>